when you see the glory, something changes. The glory changes skeptics. The glory, the tangible, physical presence of God, Shekinah. When Shekinah shows up, everybody's mouth drops. Everybody is in a stupor because they can't explain it. You know what signs and wonders are? It's not very difficult, really. We make it difficult. It's a sign that makes you wonder. Now, you think that's a play on words, but it's not. That's, that's exactly what it means. It's something that you can't explain. A sign and a wonder. God gives you unusual signs because you can't explain them. And it causes your faith to rise. He says, well, I don't know how that happened. It had to be God. I, I, I don't know what just, I don't know how that blinded eye could heal, could be healed. It had to be God. I don't know how that person got up off of that cot. It had to be God. When you see a sign that makes you wonder, it makes you crave more. And that's exactly what the glory is going to be. It's going to be a sign that makes you wonder. You see, that's the, that's the Isaiah story. The Isaiah story, how many of you know that Isaiah was not a prophet? He was a businessman. Well into years. Not only was he a businessman, he was the nephew of the king. He was a member of of the royal family and an ambassador for Judah. So he was going to nations and conducting business on behalf of the nations. But when King Uzziah died, something changed him from a businessman to a prophet. When he saw something, he couldn't go back to his job. When he saw something, he couldn't go back to being an ambassador. When he saw something, he didn't care if he was a member of the royal family or not. He saw something that undone him. <laughs> that's not good English, but that's exactly what he said. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw something. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe has filled the temple. Now, when you see this, you have to understand the scene he's seeing. If you understand anything about kings, the higher the throne, the greater the authority. So if you see kings in the ancient days, their throne had to be very high. They didn't want you to really see the full image of the king. So the thrones are very high. And he said, listen, I, I've seen Uzziah's throne, and I, I'm the royal ambassador for the court. I've seen a lot of thrones. But when the king Uzziah died, I was in the temple, and all of a sudden, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in a way I've never seen anything before. Now, now you got to understand that he didn't just see his crown or see his throne. He saw his robe. Now, this is one of the longest royal robes on record. This is the robe of the reigning queen of England right now. So this is her robe. And so when you see this particular robe, it shows you this is the robe that she wore only on her coronation day. But when, I, but when Isaiah saw the robe, he didn't say that the robe filled the temple. He said the train. Now, look up the word train in Hebrew. It's going to tell you something different than what you understand. Do you think that's a train? The Hebrew word there is not train. That's how it's been translated. It's the word hem. The hem of his robe was taller than the temple. Now, think about this. I saw the Lord, and he was so high that the hem of his robe filled up the entire walls of the temple. Now, I, I was curious about this. So I looked this up on the Guinness's Book of World Records. 
and I found the longest train in the world. So the longest train in the world is a wedding train of this young Romanian lady who wanted to win a world's record. So her train is one mile, 1.8 miles long. Okay, that's her train. But the problem is no one could see it. So on her wedding day, the only way they could see it is if she was high and lifted up. So they put her in a hot air balloon and took her almost two miles into the atmosphere so high you could not make out her face until two miles high her robe touched the ground. Now that is a Romanian bride trying to break a world's records. But Isaiah said, when I saw the Lord, he was so high in the temple that just the hem of his robe filled up to the top wall of the temple and I saw him so high. You see, our problem is not worship. Our problem is we don't see him high enough. Our problem is not faith. Our problem is we don't see him high enough. Maybe you're serving a Jesus who's still nailed to a cross. Maybe you're serving a Jesus who's still washing Peter's feet. Maybe you're serving Jesus who just walked out of an empty tomb. All of that is history. Thank God for all of it. No, 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 no. He is a king. He is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And if you have a problem, worship, see him higher. If you have a problem with your faith, see him higher. Isaiah said, I've never seen anything like this. He said, I saw the Lord so high that it wrecked me. It changed me. He had more authority than any king I've ever seen. Right when I was depressed, thinking the king had died, I realized that the king had not died. I realized the king was still there. And I realized the king was still reigning. And I realized the throne was still occupied. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now understand this. In that same verse, Isaiah 6, in the same passage, not only does he say that he saw the Lord high and lifted up, something else happened in the room. He declares in verse three, the whole earth is full of something. He said, when I saw this, I realized the whole earth is full of something. Anyone want to guess what that is? Glory. The whole earth is full of glory, he declared. And when he said this, two things happened. When he said out of his mouth, the whole earth is full of his glory. Glory showed up. And when glory showed up, two things happen. When Kabod shows up, things start shaking. Have you ever shook under the power of God? You know, everybody responds to Kabod differently. Every, everybody responds. Some people run, some people kneel, some people's hands shake in the air, some people cry. It's all the same glory. It doesn't mean that one's getting more than the other. That's just how they respond to it. But when you get kabod, you get shaken. Man, I've seen saints just shake all over the place. I've seen people take out running with their hands shaking and their feet shaking and their body shaking. Tommy Bates calls it shoulder shaking. I can't do what he does, so I'm not even going to try. But, but when the kabod shows up, anybody, let, let me see if there's a witness in that. Has anybody ever been shaken by the glory of God? You know what that feels like. You felt the presence of God and it shook you in the glory of God. That's what happened. When the glory shows up, 
this way, two things happened. The first thing that happened was a shaking, and the second thing that happened was a Shekinah. A holy smoke filled up this room. The Shekinah of God came into the room. The pores, the, the, the posts of the door were shaken and the room was filled with the only thing he could describe it as was smoke. But if you look up the word there, it's not smoke. He does not know how to describe it. The word there in, in Hebrew is interesting because it says it's a metaphor for smoke. In other words, I don't have a name for this because Shekinah hadn't been created yet. The word hadn't been created. He was saying the, the word smoke is not, he said, it's not smoke. I don't know what to call it, but it looks like smoke. I can't describe it. It, it doesn't smell like smoke, but it looks like smoke. So when he says the whole room was filled with smoke, he's saying it filled with something that looked like smoke, but I don't know how to describe it because I've never seen anything before. So here's what happens. When he sees the smoke and he feels the shaking, all of a sudden he says, all right, I am undone. In other words, nothing I have done can compare to this. Now, undone literally means nothing I've done matters now. That's really what it means. It means I am wrecked. It means I am messed up. It means I am ruined. Do you know why my redhead and I are so fervent after God now? We've been married 38 years. We've been together 40 years doing ministry the whole time. You know why we're so fervent after God? You know why you don't have to talk us into worship? You know why we worship every time? I'll tell you why. We're ruined. We are wrecked. What we have seen God do has messed us up. We can't go back. We cannot be the same. We cannot quit the ministry. We cannot stop pursuing. When you see glory, you want more. When you see glory, you are so messed up. All you want is more glory. When you see, yes, you can feel God, and the next week you need to feel him again. But when you see God, it stains you for the rest of your life. And can I tell you what God's secret plan is? God is about to show up in holy smoke. God is about to show up in holy fire. God is about to show up in holy light. When you hear people say the glory is coming, the glory is coming, I'm telling you, the glory is coming. And God, this revival that we're about to see in the next few years is gonna shake this planet because every young person is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God and it's going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's about to mess them up. It's about to ruin them. It's about to stain them. I am stained. I am ruined. I am wrecked. I am messed up. That's why I don't fall for religion. That's why, that's why I need more than a song. That's why I need more than a sermon. I am not a demon child. 
chaser. I am a God chaser. And I am chasing him all the way to the finish line. I have no intention of quitting. I have no intention of stopping. I am pursuing him all the way because I am so messed up by what I've seen. All you need to do is see one blind man healed and it'll ruin you forever. I saw a man in Greenville, Tennessee walk on water. I saw a man as a boy. I saw him jump across a fence and run on a pond. We called him Half Dunn. His name was George Dunn. George Dunn ran across a pond. As a 10-year-old boy, when you see a 400-pound man walk on water, it stays with you for the rest of your life. You don't forget that quickly. John Phillips came into my office blind with glaucoma. My wife was there. I took oil in my hand. They poured my hands full of oil, a whole bottle. I was just a young minister in my 20s, but I felt like that's what God wanted me to do. And I picked up that my handful of oil and I poured the whole thing out. It ruined his clothes. It, it poured down his face. And my first reaction was, oh my word, what have I just done? That's the first thing that hit me, but I, it just came over me so fast. I grabbed the oil. I did it before I knew it. John started rubbing his blind eyes and he said, my eyes are burning. And then I felt bad because I just injured a blind man. And before he kept rubbing his eyes and rubbing his eyes. And then he screamed out with a blood curdling scream. I can see, I can see, I can see that will mess you up. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand His kingdom around the world. Phyllis Stubblefield was born deaf in one of her ears, a little gypsy lady who started attending our church and she came into a prayer line one night for her deaf ear to be healed. And I did what I saw other people do. I stuck my finger in her ear because I didn't know what else to do. I put oil on my finger, I stuck it in her ear and I did one of these numbers and I prayed in the Holy Ghost and I just left it there. She wasn't healed after that and I thought, well, you know, I did the only thing I know to do. But about two o'clock in the morning, my redhead and I were laying in the bed and the phone rang at the parsonage. Back then we were in the parsonage. The phone rang at the parsonage. And she said in her broken English, because she couldn't speak very good English, she said, Pastor, I can hear. And I said, Phyllis, I know you can hear. No, you don't understand. I heard a fan while I was asleep and I realized that I was laying on my good ear and I was hearing the fan from my deaf ear. And she said, Pastor, right now I'm talking to you on the phone in my deaf ear and I can hear every word you're saying. My God is alive and well. My God is on the throne. He is high and lifted up and you see that it will mess you up. It will ruin you. I was in El Salvador. Our work team had run out of sand and we thought we were gonna have to go home. We were, we were building a church for a blind pastor. And we, were, we, had, we had 37 people on the work team and we ran out of sand and there's nowhere to get it in El Salvador. It's not like Lowe's is there. You have to dig it out of the, out of the river and sift it. And we had no time to do that. No way to go get it. No trucks to go get it. 
And my elder, Elder Haynes, who was my armor bearer, gathered the work crew around and he began to pray. And he began to call upon the Lord who made the sand. And he said, God, you know exactly what we need. And I'm telling you, every person in that work team can verify I'm not stretching this. This is the honest gospel truth exactly to a T. God is my witness. This is how it happened. When DJ Haynes said, amen, a truck pulled up filled with sand, just like that. We didn't wait one minute. We didn't wait 10 minutes. A truck pulled up and El Salvadorian guy said, we had a load of sand and we thought you guys might need it over here. We just brought you a dump truck load of sand. Listen, to this day, I don't know if they were angels or El Salvadorians, but I'll tell you what, God sent sand in about two seconds. It was a miracle unlike anything I'd ever seen. I was in the bush of Nicaragua and we, were, we had been out there hiking for days ministering to people in refugee camps. And there was this lady that came to us with a huge, huge tumor on her side. She had on a dress and it looked like a basketball was under her dress. And I told a member of the team, there was a lady on our team, her name was Rabana. And I told Rabana, I said, listen, I want you to, we're gonna pray for this woman. I want you to lay hands upon her. And Rabana laid hands on this lady outside of her dress. And right before our eyes, the Lord is my witness. We it looked like someone had deflated a balloon. We watched that tumor shrink right in front of us. I was in El Salvador preaching one time, a convention. It was during their war, and they brought in a woman on a cot. It was my first trip ever to El Salvador, and they brought in a woman on a cot, and she hadn't walked for days, or I don't even know how long, honestly. This was a long time ago, and it was my first trip there. I don't know how long she had been laying on that cot, but they brought her in. It was like them. It was like the man let through the roof and they brought this woman to the front of the room and they said, will you pray for her? And, and I, I didn't speak very good Spanish at all at that time. And so I just got down into a translator. I laid my hands upon this lady and I began to pray for her. And I watched this woman get up off of that cot and begin to dance in the spirit. It was not me. I was a broken vessel, half full of oil, and it was draining out of me every second. But I'm telling you, when the glory of God comes into the room it messes everything up when I was 19 years old I was a student at Lee College at the time around the time I met Perry and 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 I was in the a group I don't even know if it exists anymore called Pioneers for Christ I don't even know if it's still around Pioneers for Christ was a group that went out witnessing and you had to be trained. Charles Beach was our, was our trainer. He was an English teacher and one of the greatest lay ministers I've ever met in my life. And Dr. Beach wouldn't allow us to go out witnessing until we worked the nursing home. And so my job as a freshman in college was to go to the nursing home, Bradley County Nursing Home, right here in Cleveland, Tennessee, and pray for the people in their sick beds. And so that's what I did. My roommate Randy was with me, and so Randy and I would go in and we would walk in, we would anoint, the, anoint them with oil every Thursday. That was our job every Thursday at four o'clock, I still remember it. We would go around walking from bed to bed praying for people, and that's how I got my training as a, as a young minister. That was, my, that was my boot camp. And so we're praying for people, and we walk by this lady's bed, and this lady called us. We were walking by her room. We weren't planning on going in there, and she said, are you preachers? And we said, yes, ma'am, we are. She said, then get yourself in here. I've been waiting on you all day long. We had no idea what she was talking about. We had a big old Dakes Bible, so we'd look preachery. 
even though we couldn't preach, we couldn't preach two verses out of it correctly. But we had a good old Dakes Bible, made us look like a preacher anyway. And she said, come over here and pray for me. I've been waiting on y'all. To if she did ask us one question, she said, are you one of those Holy Ghost filled preachers? We said, yes, ma'am, we are. She said, good, you're the ones I've been waiting on. And I'm telling you, as a 19-year-old freshman at Lee, I laid my big old brown Dakes Bible on this woman and I began to pray. She was crippled up with arthritis on her side. Her legs were drawn up to her waist. Her fingers were crippled up. She couldn't feed herself. They were feeding her every bite. She was crippled up. She was shriveled up just like that on the bed. When Randy Jenkins and I began to pray for this lady, I had my eyes closed until I heard this and then I opened them. It sounded like someone had taken twigs and started breaking them. Pop, 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 pop. When I heard that, I, I opened my eyes and I saw this little lady struggling and she was doing this with her hand and she said, keep praying, keep praying. She was a bossy little thing, I'm telling you. She kept saying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. And so we kept praying and we kept praying and her fingers started straightening out. We kept praying. We kept. She said, don't stop, don't stop. Her hands started straightening out. Before we finished, that little lady had straightened out her, her legs and her toes and she got out on the side of the bed and she started doing one of these. She was doing that on that side of the bed and I was doing this on the other side of the bed. I have no idea what had just happened other than I could not have done it. It was not the anointing, but the glory showed up and God did a tangible work that was physically, visibly able to see. Shekinah came in that room and it wrecked me. You want to know why I'm passionate after God? I am messed up. You knew it. You always suspected it. Now I'm admitting it. I am messed up. I'm telling you, I am hungry. I am starving for moves of God that I can't explain. I am starving for Shekinah. I've had lots of kabod, but I want to see something I can't explain again. I want to see the glory cloud. I want to see the light of God. I want to see tongues of fire sit down upon each of them. And I'm here to tell you, I believe that is what God is about to do. Everything in my spirit tells me that Shekinah is coming. Everything in my spirit says this is God's plan to straighten up a messed up world. God is getting ready to wreck young people and I cannot wait to see this army set on fire. You see, God's not just coming after anybody. I'll, I'll close with this. God is coming after the Jacob generation. Psalm 24, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive what? The blessing from the Lord. What kind of blessing? And righteousness from God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation who seeks him, who seek your face. Abraham was an altar builder. Isaac went to the altar, but Jacob never went with his father. Jacob was the generation that got disconnected from the altar and had to seek God and wrestle with the angel and find God all by himself. Now look at, don't, don't stop here. He said, this glory is coming to the Jacob generation. Well, what's going to happen when he gets up on the hill? 
Keep reading, same chapter. Lift up your head, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. It's an announcement. The king of glory shall come in. He didn't say the king of praise and worship. He didn't say the king of prayer. He didn't say the king of preaching. He said God is about to wake up the Jacob generation. Lift up your head and you're gonna see it. The glory of God is about to come. Who is this king of glory. Oh, he's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, oh ye gates, because God is about to mess up the planet. God is about to change everything when he messes up the Jacob generation. When God shows up to this generation, I'm not sure if churches know what is about to happen. Most churches will not be ready for it. There are three songs and 20 minute sermons and announcements are not going to cut it when the glory shows up. Church Express is going to get left behind. A little dabble do you church is not even going to be on the radar for this. But God is looking for churches who will host his glory. God is looking for people who will allow the glory of God to settle down. And once he turns on Jacob they're going to be wild. They're going to be crazy. They're going to be out of the box. They're going to be something like we've never seen because they're going to see something unlike they've never seen. The Jacob generation is not going to be here to look cute or show off their clothes or their new tennis shoes. The Jacob generation is going to see God and go after God. They're going to say, excuse me, I don't know when I'm supposed to shout. They're going to shout during the offering. They're going to fall out during the announcements. They're not going to know how to act because they didn't come for church. They come for glory. They didn't come because of church. They come because of glory. The glory of God is about to mess them up. Anybody in this house ready to be wrecked? Anybody ready to be ruined? Anybody ready to be messed up? Anybody ready for Shekinah? If you are, stand to your feet and begin to put your hands together and glorify God in this house. Hallelujah. God is coming after Jacob. He is about to mess up Jacob with Shekinah. The unexplainable, the tangible, the visible part of God that leaves you speechless and wanting more. So get out your smartphones. It's coming. The knowledge of the glory of God is about to cover the earth as the water covers the sea. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you. And may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word.